Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Dallas Highland, a photojournalist and resident of St. George, recently traveled to Columbia with a privately funded organization called Operation Underground Railroad to execute what they called Clear Hope, a mission they say proved to be the biggest child trafficking rescue operation in history. Highland says there are approximately 23 million people worldwide in some form of subjugation, including forced labor and sex labor, and 2 million of those are children. The United States and Canada and other developed nations are consumers of human trafficking. It's a problem for us all, and this organization is trying to do some good here. We're going to talk about it on the program today. With me in studio is Melissa Allison, who's been reporting on this for Utah Public Radio. Melissa, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. On the phone, Dallas Highland joins us from the St. George area. Welcome to the program. Good morning. Thank you. Thanks for being with us. And we are joined by a filmmaker who's uh, who's working on, on this project, filming uh, this operation. Uh, he's going by the name of uh, Fletch, I guess for security reasons. Uh, Fletch, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Uh, so let's uh, begin with uh, Melissa's report. You may have heard this on Utah Public Radio, and she's she's had several reports on this. So, Melissa, first question to you is: that I hadn't, I haven't even even heard of Operation Underground Railroad. Of course, you hear of the dimensions of the human trafficking problem, but even that, I don't think gets the gets the awareness that it deserves. How did you learn about Operation Underground Railroad? Um, actually, I heard about it from Terry Guy and Carrie Bringhurst here at UPR. They uh, became familiar with it through Dallas. Um, they had seen a post he had put on Facebook, and they told me about it, so I followed through on it. Okay. Well, let's hear uh, this report. Does it need any setup? I don't think so. Okay. Here's Melissa's report uh, heard recently on Utah Public Radio. Imagine a father in St. George tucking his children into bed knowing that he was about to walk into a third world country where little boys and girls are bought, kidnapped, and sold for human sex trafficking, sometimes even by their own parents. Dallas Highland, a photojournalist and resident of St. George, is such a man. I am married. I have four children. I have a daughter from my first marriage, and I have three little boys. Highland spent Saturday in Armenia, Colombia with a privately funded organization, Operation Underground Railroad, to execute what they called Clear Hope, a mission that would prove to be the biggest child trafficking rescue operation in history. 123 children were saved Saturday in three simultaneous operations based in Colombia and resulted in the arrest of 15 perpetrators. What has it meant to you to be able to participate in something like this? You know, I just got home last night, so I, I'm still processing it, but obviously it was huge. I do know at the Marain mission, uh, there were 10 little boys uh, that were saved as a result of this, uh, young boys. So, yeah, it has huge ramifications, you know, for my personal life, knowing that this can happen to children. And what gets a person to a place where they either traffic their own child or if the child's lost to some kind of a kidnapping or for instance, puts their child on a boat to America, knowing they'll never see them again, but wanting to get them the heck out of where they are. Highland says that he saw a side of humanity that he can't unsee. Basically, the culmination of it was that they were going to bring 31 girls and six boys, most of which would be underaged. And at that time, he also showed us pictures on his phone of some underaged girls in different settings and performing different acts, and it was ironclad that he was for real and this was for real. The experience, Highland says, made him aware of a reality that he says Americans are, in part, responsible for. 
I haven't quantified this yet, but I do understand that Americans and Canadians are number one and number two, respectively, in consumerism of, of sex tourism in the world. And Canadians ranking second, and then I think Europeans. There's approximately 23 million people worldwide in some form of subjugation, forced labor, sex labor, some form of human sub subjugation. Two million of those are children in some form of subjugation, either sex tourism or forced labor. At the height of the transatlantic trade, the slave trade, I believe the numbers were around 17 million. This is alarming because that means we're not progressing, we're digressing. That slavery did not end with the Civil War or the Civil Rights Movement or any of those things. It, it didn't end. It's getting worse. It's just underground and nobody talks about it. With everything that Highland experienced in his three days in Colombia, it was the manner in which Martin, the perpetrator that the OUR had in their sights, conducted his business. Out of everything, what surprised you the most? I've given that some thought, and the uh, almost blasé way business was conducted, that was unbelievable to me. I thought, you know, I really would like to take a picture and publish it of a recently saved child who was trafficked in the sex trades, because in the interest of protecting them, we're not showing their faces or showing who they are, and in a way, we're kind of inoculating ourselves from the reality of it. As a photojournalist and someone who's very keen to the idea of how powerful a photograph can be, you know, I thought, why not photograph them? Why not put it right out there where people can see it? And I do understand thoroughly the interest of protecting children, but I also do think that we turned a blind eye to it. What was most shocking was how this can happen right under our noses and nothing is done about it. What do you wish people knew and understood about this issue? Uh, to be aware that when they're shaking their finger at people for immigrants trying to get into this country, it's because maybe they're trying to get the hell away from that. We absolutely need to examine ourselves as a, as a culture, as a society, not just Americans, but all of us, because this is the ugliest side of humanity I've ever seen. Sources say that due to evidence discovered in this mission, some Americans have been arrested and even more are under scrutiny by the U.S. law enforcement. To hear the complete interview with Highland, go to upr.org. With Utah Public Radio, I'm Melissa Allison. You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. I have uh, Melissa Allison, our reporter, uh, in the studio with us. And uh, that was her report. Uh, you can find that at upr.org, the uh, shorter version and the longer version. And some updates Melissa has, has been doing as well. And we have with us uh, on the line uh, Dallas Highland, who you heard there. And we have a documentary film director who's going by the name of Fletch on the line with us. Uh, Dallas Highland, uh, I wanted to follow up before we get into your story, the kind of a pulse-pounding story there in Columbia of, uh, you know, a, a St. George dad photojournalist pressed into service uh, there, a uh, high adventure. Um, but you talk about the the fact that we, and it's I don't know. I think we could all agree we're we're not paying as much attention to this problem as perhaps we should. It's it's kind of it's kind of in the shadows. Sure, um, I, I want to qualify just a couple things if I may, really quickly. Um, it, it, the the way that first of all that I became part of this operation was actually. Um, it, it, it could get to sounding like I woke up one morning and went down and decided to cover this story, and that and that that that's actually not accurate. What what it was is a, a friend of mine uh, who works for the production company that's doing the documentary work and providing some of the uh, pertinent evidence for OUR with their documentary filming. Um, they, they needed a B-roll camera person for this particular mission and asked if I would come. 
Um, so it was understood that that I would be working for uh, the abolitionist and working in, in that capacity as a camera person, and that if I had the time, I would I would try to get a story together while I was down there too. Um, what what happened when I got in country was the the leader of the team, who we'll call Matt, um, uh, who who was really good at identifying resources and using resources on the go. Um, I I think um, thought maybe I would I would do well at at, at coming into their their Thursday night meeting with the perp and uh, they were closing the deal um, with him that night uh, to, to uh, have their party on Saturday. That was also going to be staged. And he asked if I would not only wear a camera or two and, and, and record the event, which would in turn benefit and help uh, the production company in the case, but, but that I would pose as a bodyguard of sorts. That would be why I was there. That would be the explanation for why I was there. Anybody who's met me and seen me can, can automatically deduce that I fit that role. And then the other thing I wanted to qualify was uh, the, the 123. That number was it was 123 individuals saved. 55 turned out to be minors. I'm pretty sure that that's the accurate update. Hmm. But uh, anyways, um, yeah. To your question about it being underground, and 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 I I was taken aback even myself as some of these statistics were revealed to me. These statistics are coming from the United Nations and from UNICEF, and, and it was shocking to me to hear that Americans. Our number one in, in consumerism of sex tourism, and e- even now, as I begin to kind of uh, decompress from being a part of, of, of an almost incredulous event, um, it, which it was not incredulous. It just to, to repeat the story to people. I, it was interesting when I talked to Melissa. She'll remember this, and, and I, I told her, I said, I, I, I can, I can give you all, all the information you need to fact check this. Because as a reporter, if I heard this story, I'd be going. I don't know if I believe this. This sounds incredulous. Um, but, but when I heard these statistics, um, I wanted to follow up and check on them. And then it just got me really to thinking here, even lately, it, how much is it happening here locally? You know, mm-hmm. is, is, is sex trafficking taking place in Utah, for instance, you know, uh, to, to drive that to a local point. And um, I, I it's something as a reporter I intend to follow up on. Uh, let's bring in Fletch, um, documentary uh, film director. You're, uh, what's your role here? You're you're uh, you're filming these operations, documenting them. What what, what else? So, what we do, uh, our little our show is called The Abolitionists, and uh, we got together with Tim Ballard, the founder uh, and CEO of Operation Underground Railroad, about two years ago, and we we were talking to him about doing a feature film about. Uh, about his career in the CIA and Homeland Security. And uh, we really were not anticipating uh, uh, doing a documentary film. We're not documentary filmmakers. We're we're feature narrative directors. And uh, one thing led to another, and and, uh, there were various people that were brought on board. Their ideas were to have a a, a documentary film about this, that maybe it would be more powerful if, if it were real and not just... Um, a narrative film, a Hollywood-style uh, narrative film. So, really, what we do is we've been on we've been doing this for a year now, shooting. I think we've been on nine different separate missions, and we go in as part of the jump team. So we have cameras. We out uh, we outrig all of the the rooms and the and the, the various jump team members with microphones and hidden cameras and things like that. And so we document the entire thing from start to finish, from the time we step off the plane 
um, till the time we wrap it up and, and step back on the plane and come home. And the footage that we use undercover is all buttoned up and copied to a hard drive and given to the authorities of whatever country that we're in, used to prosecute those people that, that have purchased the children. Mm. And that's really our, that's really how we see our mission as far as the, the, uh, the abolitionist is concerned. Tell the story of what just happened. It's interesting, the title, The Abolitionists, because, and, and as, as Dallas said, uh, some 17 million uh, slaves during the height of the transatlantic uh, slave trade, 23 million people right now worldwide in some form of subjugation. Um, and, and yet, I think a lot of us, as we go about our daily lives, don't think about it much. Well, you know, Tim Ballard, uh, as I said, is uh, he's a historian as well. He didn't just work for the CIA and, and Homeland Security. He's a historian. He's written, he's an author. He's written several books about the subject of American history. And so the whole idea that the, the abolitionist, the title came from, uh, from him, really. He's the one who came up with the title for the show, and we thought it was just such a fantastic title. And he sees this as, and, and if you've been on one of these jumps, you'll understand exactly what this means. He sees this as modern-day slavery. And it, slavery in the 1800s uh, was really partly eradicated by a woman by the name of Harriet Beecher Stowe, who wrote a book, uh, which is what she could do. She didn't know what she could do. She said uh, she went across the river and saw slavery for what it really was, and came back and said, and wrote a letter to her sister and said, I don't know what I can do, but I can write. And she wrote a book, and it's called Uncle Tom's Cabin. It sold 1.6 million copies uh, when she was alive. That's a lot of copies sold uh, for that time period. And it really helped thrust abolitionism into the, the public limelight of the era. And in fact, when, when, when uh, Abraham Lincoln met her, he stretched out his hand, shook her hand, and said, I just wanted to shake the hand of the woman who started this war, referring to the Civil War. So there is much that can be done through media, and we're now in an era where the type of media, film, being the combination of all different art forms, can be extremely powerful tool if used uh, in the right hands. And what better cause can there be to wield this media than than this? So that's why it's that's why it's what we're trying to do is bring light to a subject that's so hidden it's sometimes hard to even find. Mm -hmm. We're gonna take a brief break. When we come back, we'll have more with uh, Dallas Highland. We're also talking with a filmmaker uh, go, going by the name here of Fletch. And we have with us in studio Melissa Allison, who's been reporting on this uh, for Utah Public Radio. Um, and uh, we're, we're sort of seeing this through through the eyes of Dallas Highland. He's a photojournalist and resident of St. George. He recently traveled to Columbia with Upper Operation Underground Railroad. They executed what they call Cleared Hope, a mission they say proved to be the biggest child trafficking rescue operation in history. And uh, they, they do this uh, on a frequent basis, and uh, Fletch... It uh, goes along as part of the filmmaking uh, crew to uh, document this. Uh, before we go to break, uh, here's a tweet from Susie, 
Uh, she says, uh, listening to Utah Public Radio and Dial- Dallas Highland on Operation Underground Railroad, uh, so tragic that slavery in any form still exists. That's uh, Susie's comment. You can uh, join us. We hope that you will with your question or comment at 1-800-826-1495. That's our toll-free number anywhere you're listening, 1-800-826-1495. We're on Facebook. And we're on Twitter, at Utah Public Radio. Also, you can get through to us on email, upraxcess at gmail.com. More following the break. The Be Well Moment is made possible by the USU Department of Human Resources Wellness Program at usu.edu hr. Eat your fruits and veggies. You've likely heard this statement since childhood. However, research shows that it is good advice. Fresh produce is loaded with natural compounds that protect our bodies from disease. I'm talking about hundreds of compounds called antioxidants and phytochemicals that reduce inflammation in our bodies and improve our immunity. Fruits and veggies are low in calories, which is great for weight control, but they're big in volume, so they fill you up and satisfy hunger. Instead of telling yourself to eat less food, eat more food, eat more of the right food. Slice an apple on your oatmeal, grab a banana for a snack, and start your dinner with a colorful salad. Fill half your plate with fresh fruits and veggies, and you'll be a winner for life. Be well, Utah. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Crumb Brothers Artisan Bread, located at 300 South and 300 West in Logan, featuring savory European-style breakfast treats, such as quiches and a revolving menu of lunch sandwiches, such as artichoke basil and fresh mozzarella. Information at crumbbrothers.com. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Some 23 million people worldwide are in some form of uh, slavery, some form of subjugation, including forced labor and sex labor. Two million of those are children. And uh, as we've learned, Dallas Highland has uh, told us, reminded us, around 17 million was the number at the height of the transatlantic slave trade. And uh, that uh, gave rise to abolitionists. That's the title of uh, a film, documentary film, that's, uh, I guess, ongoing. It's called The Abolitionist. Um, And Dallas Highland, who is a resident of St. George, a photojournalist, uh, went along on one of the operations for Operation Underground Railroad. That's an organization uh, set up by uh, Tim Ballard, who I believe went to to school in in Utah, right? BYU guy? Yeah. Uh, Melissa. Um, so another Utah connection here. He's a former uh, Homeland Security agent who uh, who, who quit to uh, to do this full time. And uh, their their motto is pretty striking. We rescue kidnapped children from slavery. Uh, so we'll tell you how you can help as we go along. Uh, by the way, the uh, website is ourrescue.org for Operation Underground Railroad. Uh, you are welcome to join this conversation if you'd like at 1-800-826-1495. We're on Twitter at Utah Public Radio or on Facebook, and you can join us at Utah or upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. We're joined in studio by Melissa Allison, who's been reporting on this for UPR. On the phone, we have Dallas Highland and uh, Documentary Field Director Fletch. Melissa, you had some statistics I think you wanted to share with us. Uh, yes. You know, some of the feedback that we've gotten, the response about this story, is it's people are feel it's incredulous, two million children, you know. And if you go to FBI.org, or gov, excuse me, it says on their website that 
in America alone, 293,000 children are at risk of becoming victims of commercial sexual exploitation. So 2 million worldwide is not difficult to, you know, believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and I, I think Dallas raised the point that he, you know, he's wondering if there's sex trafficking in Utah. And I, I believe authorities tell us there there is. Yes. Every, every state. According to the FBI, it is a problem. Interstate uh, trafficking is it's the third largest um, criminal organization uh, business worldwide, sexual trafficking of children. Yeah. Or excuse me, of just sexual trafficking. Uh, so I'd like to maybe I could uh, start with uh, Fletch on on this question. It will involve Dallas as well. I'd, I'd, I'd like to go through as, as much as you can reveal about a typical operation for with Operation Underground Railroad. Uh, I think you, uh, you you work with authorities. You go in and I guess you identify sex traffickers, and then this is essentially a sting operation, is it? Yeah, I mean, obviously Tim, having worked in the government, knows the value of. Uh, of having local authorities wherever we go involved uh, with the case, uh, we, uh, it's called top-down cover. It's it's there to keep everybody safe on our team, so that we have authorities anywhere we go. For instance, in uh, in Colombia would be the CTI, and they have just been so great. They're fantastic men and women um, who have kept us safe and been involved on a very intimate level uh, with every case that we've done in in uh, Colombia. And uh, they're the ones that prosecute when it's all said and done. So it's, it's integral to have those people's um, communication and efforts on these jumps. Otherwise, well, you rescued the kids, but you didn't stop the perpetrators from continuing this process. So we're, we find that it's it's absolutely imperative that you put these people behind bars. And to do that, you have to use the authorities wherever you go. Uh, once we get in country, um, then it's a matter of finding these people. And it's not – sadly, it's not hard. Um, once our feet are on the ground, it's usually about an hour to three hours. And we already have started locating people, uh, perpetrators. It's very, very simple. Uh, then we start setting up uh, hidden cameras and that sort of thing. Um, they, they come in the forms of watches and glasses and belt buckles and, and uh, all sorts of different forms. And we sit down with these people and we negotiate for what, we, what essentially is a sex party. And once that starts to begin, uh, we find a house uh, that's sort of conducive to this sort of thing, so a rather large house. And then we rig that house with cameras, and the police come in. Uh, they're all either hidden away in, in back rooms or sometimes coming through the front door. Um, but uh, they take their positions. The bad guys bring the girls and the deal is made. And once the deal is, is made and money is exchanged, uh, Tim will give a sign. Or in uh, Dallas's case, it would have been a, a different operator. Um, but uh, in Cartagena, which is where I was, the, Tim will give his signal. And in about two minutes, the doors are busted open and the police rush in uh, with pistols and guns drawn. 
very quickly. It all happens very, very quickly. And then we're all arrested simultaneously, except for the film crew, thankfully. <laughs> we, we continue filming all of, uh, all of the events. And it, then the bad guys are taken away, and social workers then are brought in. And these, uh, these are amazing people. They, uh, they come in very, very quickly. Uh, before we're even taken away, they're, they're brought in to begin working with the children through, uh, through the rehabilitation process, which you know can be a, a very long process, as you all know. Hmm. Uh, and down. then after that, we we get on planes and we come home essentially. Yeah, that's it's 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 amazing. It's admirable. It, it, it's horrifying the scope of the problem. Um, Dallas, I wonder if you could uh, tell us a little bit more about the operation you were involved with. You were posing as security, I believe, and uh, wearing a I guess a wire. Were you or what? Uh... Yeah, I, I was. I was uh, as as Fletch mentioned. Uh, they have different forms of of hidden cameras. Um, the, what I wore. Well, it was a pair of um, um, some semi-modified Oakley sunglasses um, with a camera in them, and uh, I wore them on my visor, and they were able to pick up audio as well. And then I also wore uh, uh, we we rigged a camel pack. Um, one of the one of the production people uh, for the abolitionist crew uh, and my friend who got me involved in this was dynamite at at, at rigging. Um, he, he and the one other person set up the wires and the cameras for just about everything, and I helped with that. But I, I wore a backpack, and it had a camera on my lapel of the backpack or the strap, basically, of the backpack. Um, and in this particular instance, and, and I can't underscore this that, that uh, enough, that, that, that um, everybody involved in this operation, for instance, mine and Armenia, uh, all 12 on the crew, were, were equally um, in danger, if there was danger to, to, to speak of. Um, and that my role wasn't wasn't anything all that more spectacular or, or, or extra. It, it really was just that um, it, to to explain my presence at this meeting and maybe perhaps catch a camera angle that wasn't a point of view angle. Whereas um, the, the undercover operatives that were negotiating with with the perpetrator Martine, if they'd been wearing cameras as well, the, the, the cameras would have been very point of view. They'd be viewing just the perpetrator. And the, I, I had sort of an outside vantage point because I sat a little bit to the side and, and captured everybody in the operation. So um, it, it went really well. And it, 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 it did kind of cross my roles a little bit from being a camera person to, to kind of actually working in the operation. And it was something I willingly did when they asked. Um, because as a reporter, again, you know, it, it gave me... Uh, about as front line as you can get a view of this, you know, but, but this, my, my part in this was, was the, the, the final, final stage of, of, of a lot of machinery in place, a lot of money in place, a lot of intelligence, a lot of hard work by OUR and the abolitionists. So, but um, anyways, to that, to that end, um, I, I agree with Fletch a hundred percent about the power of the documentary aspect of this and that the story needs to be told and 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 from my own personal vantage point a, a thought that i've been pondering quite a bit and, and you heard me mention this in the clip you guys did last week was that you know we were told i was told to be mindful of a few things like operational security protecting people's names and things like that and that, that was pretty easy um but but the the other thing was to not take photos of, of rescued children necessarily or, or not to publish them and, and it just really got me to thinking like that that I, well, I, I completely understand the imperativeness of protecting the innocence of youth or, 
or, or, or protecting their identities for their own protection going into the future. American law very much does that. You know, they won't release the name of any any child involved in a crime in any way, shape, or form under the age of 18. But I thought, you know, I got to thinking about, like, these, these fundraisers we do for world hunger, you know, where you see the, the, the face of an emaciated and starving third-world child with, with flies on its face, and it drives an emotional response to get people to to do something about it. And in that case, that do something may be to, to join an organization that helps or to donate to that organization that helps, right? And, and I thought, you know, this this problem is so underground. We're we're not realizing how big it is. And I thought, you know, there there, there could be some real power in the images. And 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 to that end, Fletch and his crew—they're actually doing that. They're going down and they're documenting this and putting it in people's faces and showing it to them in real time, uh, so so that it can be dealt with. But but my thought was, you know, why why not photograph these kids and why not put it out there and say, look, this. A, a, a 12-year-old child, for instance, that spent the last six to eight months of their life uh, in, in sexual servitude for the purpose of profit, treated like a commodity in any business, and, and, and not a very valuable commodity at that, a disposable one, you know, um, and make that make that harsh reality come forth. And that's what I think this operation is doing. And as a reporter, again, I, I, I'm careful not to get into the business. I'm not in the business of endorsing people. You know, I'm in the business of getting after the truth of the story, reporting on it, and moving on to the next story. But even in that capacity, I, I am beyond compelled to to say that this this was a, a rather noble thing these 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 men and women are setting out to do, including the film crews, um, because they put themselves right on the front line on this. This is, you know, this is tantamount to wartime journalism that, that's being conducted here. Hmm. If you just joined us, we're uh, talking about Operation Underground Railroad. Dallas Highland, a photojournalist and resident of St. George, you heard from him just right there, recently traveled to Columbia with that organization. They executed what they uh, called uh, the biggest child trafficking rescue operation in history. Uh, and we're also talking with the documentary film director, Fletch, who's working on uh, the uh, the project, uh, The Abolitionists, which uh, documents the work that the Operation Underground Railroad does. Um, and uh, I have with me in studio uh, Melissa Allison, who's been reporting on this for UPR as well. You're welcome to join the conversation at 1-800-826-1495. You can join us on Twitter at Utah Public Radio. We're on Facebook, and uh, we have our email is upraxcess at gmail.com. Uh, we'll see if uh, Melissa has a couple of questions here after I read this uh, tweet we received from Edith. Edith says, while CEOs making $10,000 per hour or, uh, or uh, $50 bill per day, they uh, think the world will end if they uh, pay uh, $10 per hour to workers. And I think uh, she's referring to, uh, I guess, the motivation, impetus behind, uh, uh, behind forced labor is, is what, I, what I take. Uh, so, uh, Melissa, questions you might have? You know, um, one of the things I wanted to know, and I don't know if you can answer this, but it, how effective are the prosecutors in um, prosecuting these perpetrators? You know, you guys go out, um, Operation Underground Railroad goes out, they get all of this evidence, you have documented it. How successful have they been in actually prosecuting and putting these people away? Well, they immediately go to jail as soon as uh, they leave our presence. They're they're cuffed and taken away to, to prison to jail, <clears throat> and uh, it's very it's very convicting to have your face 
very cleanly and plainly seen on the screen talking about what you plan on uh, doing with these kids, what you plan on making from selling these kids. So once we've established on, on camera that they, are, that they are 12, 11, 13 years old, and the perpetrator knows that and is willingly telling us this information and then is asked, well, will they do everything? Yes, they'll do everything. And they get very explicit about what they will do, what these kids are programmed to do or told that they have to do. And then they sit down and money is exchanged. Here's the money. So when the police actually come through the door, they have the money in their hands. They're, the conviction rate is 100%. No one gets away because there is no, there is no excuse. There is no argument. Uh, almost, I think almost to the person so far, everyone's pleaded out because they know there's just what are they going to do? You Caught know, red-handed. people are surprised that Americans are the number one consumers of this trade. Who are these people? Who are the consumers? Oh, boy, that is a tough question. You know, it's funny because in your mind you want to you want to picture them as these evil, dark, horrible people. And the truth is that when you're looking into their eyes, they're just like your neighbor. It's they're no different than you and I. They're just they have such a dark corner in their world. Um it's almost scary in Dallas. You can you can attest to this. You sat there and looked them dead in the face. Yeah, I, I, the, the, the most the most shocking thing, it's still I'm still processing this, was uh, and, and Fletch is dead on. These guys are the, I, as far as the follow up prosecution, you know, you know the actual cases and the conviction rate and 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 our deals struck and things like that. I, I don't know, but as far as the evidence, he's dead right. There there is no escaping this. This guy Martin, in my particular own experience. Martin was his his fake name. I think his real name has been released to the press. He he had operated in country for uh, roughly eight years doing this with relative impunity. He was involved in child pornography. He he ran a brothel. He bought and sold people. And and it sitting across from him, he he could have been negotiating uh, the remodeling of a home for all I knew. I mean, if I didn't understand what was going down, it it, it was. It was just every day to him, and when he showed up at the house, he gave, he he gave explicit instructions to the girls in front of us what they would be doing, and, and that there was no question about it. He wasn't worried about it. And the other thing that absolutely blew me away was how many of the crew uh, we have a group of guys that come down also that that pose as the Johns, and 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 I can't say enough good things about these men because they did a phenomenal job at playing a role that I don't think I could have played. And they, they had their cell phones out and cameras. There were cameras everywhere. I mean, the hidden cameras were, were dynamite, but the, just the footage alone gathered from the guys playing sex tourists, it didn't even bother this guy. It was like normal, everyday business. And I was there when, when, when the police came in. It, you know, Fuzz talks about that two minutes. It's a long two minutes if it's your first time, I guess, because, man, it seemed like about two hours. Mm. But I saw the signal go down. I knew they were coming in. I saw Martin's face when they busted in, and, and it was it was shock. He was looking at them like, "What? What are you? What are you? What are you doing here?" They, no, everything's fine. It it was a trip. 
And so while I've not, I, I've only witnessed people pretending to be tourists and buyers of, of this product, if you will, um, I think they did a good job of playing the part. And I was able to sort of conceptualize and visualize that the person that's doing this, yes, it, it might be your neighbor. It, 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 it might not, it might be a wealthy businessman who feels like he's, he's, you know, tasted all the world's fruits and wants to get into something a, a little bit darker, or it, it may just be a normal person. I, I don't know, but, it, and, and that's, that's the question. And I understand that from these busts in Colombia, the three cities, Medellin, Cartagena, and Armenia, there's going to be some prosecutions to Americans. Uh, upwards of a hundred, I think, uh, that that were going to attend these parties. I think, and Fletch can qualify that. Let me uh, get in a phone call here before uh, we go back to Fletch. Uh, this is, if I've got this correct, Joe in Hyde Park. Uh, go ahead with your question or comment. Welcome to the program. Hello. Um, I was just, you know, playing devil's advocate. I was just thinking, um, you know, like if prostitution was legalized and regulated, like would that help? Stop the 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 trafficking and the and the underage abuses. It, it uh, might mitigate some. And Fletch can chime in on this too, because that that question does come up a lot. I've I've seen that asked. And and prostitution in Colombia is legal for over killed people over eighteen. Some of the people that were uh, rescued that day may or may not have declined any assistance from the social workers and said, I was here of my own accord and, and moved on. It's the trafficking issue of it is, if, even if they were over 18 and they were being trafficked or being pimped, that, that, that made it illegal. But I, I, I don't think that, I, I think that we really seriously need to examine ourselves as a culture, as, as a human culture uh, about this, because um there, there are often times when people may be consenting to some something that is legal, but it's still not good for them, you know. And, and, and there, there, there could be a platitude of reasons why they get into that. This, this, we're getting into a portion of the discussion that's a little bit above my pay grade as of yet. And in terms of, like, you could maybe say, say, there's a prostitute who's 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 working in a legal capacity, but what's her background? What what got her into doing that? Who actually? really willingly gets into that type of business and 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 here's, those questions here's the here's the problem uh, let, let me uh, uh joe you have a, i think joe has a follow-up question then we'll then we'll have uh, dallas come in uh, or uh, or fletch come in on this uh, joe what what did you have to say i was just you know I, of course i i think no one gets into that on, you know i don't think people get into that on purpose but if they're in that then the government would could regulate, you know. I mean, just like sweatshops or like um, any other industry, make make sure things are safe, um, you know, because it it does. I I, I don't know. I, okay, thanks, Joe. Here, um, your, your reaction, Fletch. Go ahead. Here is here is the and herein lies the problem, if I may. The problem is not prostitution. That's a that's a, a word that we avoid in the film altogether, because this is not prostitution. Let's not confuse prostitution with trafficking, especially not the trafficking of children. There is a very, very big difference. And the trafficking of children is around for one reason and one reason only, and that is because there's a desire for that. And that desire runs, as we've seen by every single John that goes looking for children. Every single last one of them stems from pornography. 
usually when they were very young, and they grew up looking at pornography for many, many years, and eventually get to a place where nothing is exciting them anymore, and they have to have more, just like a drug addict, they have to have more and more and more, and eventually they end up with, what about children? That's where they end up. And it usually takes many years, but that's where they come from. So prostitution is not the problem here. Regulating it is not going to change anything about trafficking children. Uh, Melissa, yeah, did you... I, 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 the the, the you know, statistics are, are, are almost, um, you know, it doesn't matter what end of the political sc- scope you come from, those statistics that, that Fletch is talking about, they're irrefutable. Uh, Melissa, I don't know if you had a question or two. Um, yes, earlier, Fletch, you mentioned that it's not difficult to find these... Um, agents, I guess, if you will, for this industry. Um, And the question is, you know, two hours that they must be very bold to make it that easy for you to spot them. Why is that? I'll I'll tell you what. When we first show up into a country that we haven't been in before, they are very bold. Uh, it's scary almost you can get into almost any taxi cab and within 10-15 minutes be connected with with these monsters it's 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 truly scary now that being said you'll see in the documentary that we returned to Cartagena uh, a city that we've visited several times in fact one of the cities that we just took down again was Cartagena, but it was a different part of the city. It was out at a, at a, at a beach uh, called Playa Blanca. Um, the actual city we took down in May and went back a few months later. And you'll see footage, undercover footage. I was walking through trying, again, to get someone to sell us little kids. And, man, you wouldn't believe the difference uh, uh, that, a couple, that one operation can make, one successful operation, because we returned to that same city and tried to uh, conjure up people to sell us kids, and no one would have anything to do with us. And they just kept saying, no, 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 we don't do that here anymore. A few months ago, a bunch of Americans were down here, they all went to prison. So they still think we all went to prison. But I, I guess the proof is in the pudding, because they won't touch this crime anymore in Cartagena, because they know that the Colombians are taking this very serious now. The Colombians are, are literally the, the, the beacon on the hill for all of Latin America. They are chasing this, this, uh, this issue with everything they've got. And they're just, they have been, I can't overstate how fantastic uh, the government and the, the fiscales and the, and the CTI and everybody down in Colombia uh, for their heroic behavior. Even after we've left now, they continue to do. Uh, operations that Tim and his team have trained them to do. Yeah, that, that, that's a great point, Fletch, that, that, that what also is happening is that, um, you, you know, it's that adage, you know, give a man a fish, he eats for a day, teach him to fish, he eats for a lifetime. This, this idea that, that OUR and this, this, these operations are also inspiring uh, some training and, and empowering and, and equipping um, these, these governments to, to be effective on their own. Um, the, the attitude, and he's right about the CTI agents, they were amazing. Um, I, 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 in my mind, thought perhaps 
upon first meeting them that there might be a general attitude of, you know, who are these American cowboys coming down here to show us how to do our jobs? That, that really wasn't the attitude at all. I think that maybe um, what, what, what was happening was that maybe due to bureaucratic red tape or fun, lack of funding, you know, they, they weren't being as effective as maybe they liked to be. And along comes these people willing to pose as American tourists and give them the opportunity to, to affect a, a bust, and they did. And at least at Armenia, you know, the, the CTI agents I dealt with, I, in, in short order, I, I considered some of them my friends. And, in fact, we, we got hung up in country a little bit longer than, than originally anticipated because the airport was closed. And it's my understanding that they stood guard over, over us all night until we were wheels up and out of the country. Um, they, they, they were, they were stellar. They were. We just have uh, about three minutes left, and I, uh, I wonder if you ever pull back and think about the the scope here. Um, it, I guess, it could be paralyzing. Two million children in in slavery, and uh, your very successful bust in in Armenia, I think, saved fifty some odd kids. And if you juxtapose those two numbers. Uh, that gives you the scope of the problem. Uh, very admirable that Operation Underground Railroad is doing something. So I wonder specifically what 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 can I do? What what can Melissa do? What what can our listeners do? What uh, what would you suggest? Boy, that is um, don't uh, donate. Number one. Uh, let's let's go to Dallas, Dallas first. Okay. D- donate. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, and be be a part of help. And, and then I'll, I'll I'll take a short bit of that last three minutes and just say. Uh, uh, the identification of a problem absent a solution is nothing but a complaint. And, and what OUR and what, what the film crew are doing is, is they're going beyond the realm of complaint, and they're doing something. Ask yourself what you can do. If you can donate, absolutely. If you can be part of supporting an organization like this, do so. But also act locally. Um, get in, the, the most powerful tool we have is information. And become informed about this because when you're informed about it, you're you're able to recognize it and see it happening. It you know and 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 last but not least, maybe recognize that what, what's happening on the end of seeing these people arrested and seeing these kids free. There's there's still something else going on, and that's the cultural sickness that Tim's referring to. Maybe the the addiction, addictive behaviors, and the de- the ability to allow those addicting behaviors to lead you to a point where you will devalue human life. Um, that, that, that's, that's a huge statement, and I won't go into a whole lot more on that. That's, that's something that, in my own mind, I'm wrestling quite a bit and, and thinking about writing about, but, and I'll leave the rest uh, to Fletch. Fletch, what, what would you say? What, what, what can we do? You know, I've been on nine of these things now. I've been on all of them that, that since the beginning of OUR. And all of us are very religious people, uh, and they come from all different faiths involved in the jump team. And i got to tell you, you can donate, you can do all those things, and all of those things are wonderful. They, they all need to be done. But what we need more than anything, honestly, and it's something everybody can do, we need everyone's prayers for the continued success and safety of OUR. I mean, just this past week, uh, several of us um, on the abolitionists as well as on the jump team itself have had uh, viable threats against our lives. This is something that's it's real. These guys are out there putting their lives on the line, and they need everybody's prayers, and everybody can do that. It doesn't cost you a thing. 
We will leave it there. We're out of time. Uh, we've uh, been talking with Fletch, a filmmaker who's uh, documenting this with the abolitionists. Uh, that's the name of the project. Uh, and uh, Dallas Highland, St. George man, who recently participated in one of the p- projects uh, with uh, Operation Underground Railroad. Operation Underground Railroad, by the way, is the website is ourrescue.org. And uh, by the way, in Utah, there is a... Uh, Human Trafficking Task Force. You could look that up to get yourself more information. And Melissa Allison, who's been reporting on this for UPR, has been with me in studio. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks to our guests, and thanks for listening today to Access Utah. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and the 12th Annual Moab Folk Festival, November 7th through the 9th, featuring Moores and McCumber, John Fulbright, Ray Bonneville, and more. Information is at moabfolkfestival.com. This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1 Logan, KUSK HD1 Vernal, KUSL HD1 Richfield, KUST HD1 Moab, KCEU Price, and KUSU FM HD1 Logan. Thank you for listening to Access Utah on Utah Public Radio, a service of the College of Humanities and Social Sciences at Utah State University. We're coming up on the hour, 10 o'clock, and up next we have Living on Earth.